0: This is an AMI podcast. This is an AMI podcast. As a young nursing student, I learned the value of good communication. I recall sitting alongside a small group of fellow nursing students, While we were all listening to a seasoned nurse who was giving us report, I sat there, wide-eyed, eagerly trying to understand and take in each of her words. I remember my mind feeling distracted as I looked at her in awe, wondering if I would ever reach that level. She was just so knowledgeable and confident. When she started talking about my two clients that I would have the opportunity to look after that day, I recall feeling so eager. Yet, my nerves began to rise. The excitement of the opportunity made my stomach completely turn, yet it gave me goosebumps at the same time. I was so young and innocent, but innately, I felt totally elated to potentially have the opportunity to help someone. As I diligently took notes of precisely what she was saying, I knew to value her opinion and to acknowledge internally just how little as a nursing student I knew at that moment. I'm Becky Czar and this is The Blind Reality. During report, I often sat quiet, just sitting there learning from those around me. I hoped that one day I would be able to see my reflection in that nurse. I hope that one day I would possess the knowledge, confidence, and poise that that nurse exhibited. And I hope that one day I would have a voice that could contribute and that others would recognize and value my opinion just as much as we valued hers. Eventually, after a lot of work, practice effort and time I actually got there by then I had graduated from nursing school transitioned out of acute care nursing and I had been working for the federal government for a few years at that point I most definitely did not know everything but I had found my groove. I had found my area of nursing that I was completely passionate about over the years I had tried to take in as much wisdom and experience from my colleagues that surrounded me as I possibly could. At meetings, I was now starting to speak up and offer my insights and opinions. Initially, I did so with a slightly wavering voice, being sure to not overstep my place. In time... I was being asked to contribute more, to consult on different projects, to present and create resources. I had found my place at the table. And I realized that like that nurse from so many years ago, people now listen to me because they valued my thoughts. I could actually contribute my view because I finally possessed knowledge I was just getting to a place in my career where I had always wanted to be when the wheels fell off. Suddenly, after losing my eyesight, I also lost my momentum and confidence, which at the time, honestly, it felt fine. People no longer wanted to hear my opinion. And initially I didn't care because I didn't have an opinion to give. My mind just felt empty vacant and unable to think at the level that i once did despite my mind feeling completely vacant i recognized that in fact my mind was actually too full it was just too full to process anything else sure i knew all of the information that i knew the day before i lost my eyesight i still technically possessed all of the knowledge and expertise yet at that time It was as if it didn't exist. It felt like the day that I lost my eyesight was also the day that society wiped my professional slate clean. To the average person that didn't know me already, the general onlooker or passerby, I was just a blind person. I felt like I was automatically discounted. Assumptions were made before I even had an opportunity to open my mouth. The visual image of this new me was what their first impression was automatically based on. To say that this annoyed me would be an understatement. To say that this still annoys me would most definitely be an accurate statement. I don't know why I feel like I still need to prove myself to anybody new, but I feel like I almost need to offer up a slight synopsis of my education and resume and, in order for them to give me a genuine chance to have my voice listened to. I know, I really shouldn't care, but this podcast is all about being honest. And if I'm being honest, a part of me does care. I guess that's still something I need to work on. So, when reflecting back, in a way, I went from having nothing to say, to having lots to say, and then being in this awkward place where I feel I have stuff to say, yet no outlet because of assumptions. Occasionally in time, I started volunteering as I was trying to make strides towards becoming, once again, my familiar self. I attended a meeting simply as a visually impaired person. There were both business people as well as clients like myself in attendance. I don't recall the particular topic around the meeting but I do remember a component of it sparking my attention. Some of the concepts that were being presented were really interesting, causing me to be intrigued. And as a result, I had a question. I waited for a respectable opportunity to raise my hand and indicate my question. This was the first time that I had spoke up in front of a group in a really long time. This was the first time that I was putting the attendees' eyes on me, so I was feeling a little bit self-conscious. Anyway, I asked my question in a professional manner, formulating my question with words that I would have used commonly in a professional environment. After asking my question, I remember there being a moment of dead silence Being somebody who could not easily attain a lot of visual information that's going on around me, I started to hesitate. God, did I ever wish that I could just see the expression on the person's face that I posed the question to? I wasn't trying to be rude. I didn't think it was an inappropriate question. It wasn't an intensely hard question. And I didn't think it was an offensive question. It was just a question. Eventually, yes, my question was answered. And at the end of that meeting, the presenter came up to me, as did a couple of other people, asking me what my background was in. I really didn't think too much of this initially, but over time, similar scenarios had played out It's frustrating because at times, people assume that I don't have a lot to bring to the table simply because of my life circumstances. I now find it kind of humorous to see how people react when I do have an opportunity to verbalize my thoughts. Don't worry, I don't go around being a know-it-all or generally offering up a general synopsis of my resume. I'm still the quiet, modest, somewhat reserved person when in a professional environment. I may not use all of my nursing knowledge or even be able to call myself a nurse anymore, but my slate was not wiped clean. Over the past eight years, I've continued to put myself out there, even when it's not a totally comfortable environment. Because I'm a believer in the concept of when one door closes, another opens. This concept has proven true to me in the most wildest forms. During the volunteer work that I was doing, people got to know me as a person and they began to look at my skill set differently. Apparently, I possess the gift of the gab, sure. I've always liked to talk, but I've never considered utilizing this trait when it came to selecting a career opportunity. I got a call one day from the CNIB. The communications lady told me that a company named Accessible Media Corporation, better known as AMI they had reached out to see if they knew somebody within the community who had vision loss who would be interested in working for them as a community reporter. I was totally confused at first as to why she was calling me. I just giggled and said, I think you have the wrong person. I do not have a background in journalism or being a reporter. She then explained that the role that they are looking to fill is did not need the professional qualifications, but rather they were looking for somebody who was a good communicator. I sat there, stunned for a moment, with no words. Seriously, people look at me as a good communicator? When did that happen? Skeptically interested, I called the contact person's number that I was provided with. And suddenly, after a About a 15-minute conversation I had a job I had a tiny segment on a legitimate radio show I was gonna get paid to talk that was a completely wild concept so once a month I would dial in and provide my prepared content via a simple conversation between me and the host it was a blast One time, during an on-location visit, when AMI came to Regina, I was introduced to a gentleman named Andy Frank. But just as a personal disclaimer and a side note, I'm terrible with names. I've always been that way. I recognized that I knew his name from somewhere, but had I realized that the gentleman that I was sitting next to the guy that complimented me on my bubblegum pink heels that I chose to wear that day. If I actually knew that he was the manager, the guru, and the guy in charge, I likely would have been a little bit more nervous when I was conversing with him. I did my segment live that day in front of about a handful of AMI production staff, and I had a total blast. After I was done my segment, I went back to my original seat which was next to andy he complimented me on my segment and followed by saying you're very natural and i think we need you to do some more stuff with ami i think you're ready for that becky he was kind of chuckling a little while he spoke the words so i wasn't entirely sure if he meant it or what he had in mind andy did not know me from back in the life that I once lived. He thought that my resume was nice, but he didn't give it a lot of weight. And he didn't look at my vision loss first and foremost. He didn't see it as an obstacle or a reason for me to stay quiet. Andy looked at me and somehow he saw skills in me that I never personally previously recognized. The opportunities that AMI has provided to me over the last five-plus years have been unbelievable. Somehow, for some reason, Andy was able to see more in me at a time when I felt like I had so little to offer. For some reason, he decided to take a wild chance on me. In a way, he gave me my voice back. And for that, I'm eternally grateful. In time, it happened. When Andy said he thought I could do more, he meant it. I received an email one day asking me if I would be interested in putting together a proposal to host my own podcast. I giggled and my honest reaction was to slide my finger over the delete button. With my finger in position to erase this bizarre email from my inbox, for some reason... I didn't strike the delete button. I sat there, instead, pondering the opportunity that laid in front of me. I read that email several times over, and as I once again started at the top line, my level of intrigue grew. I thought to myself, what on earth do I know about podcasts? My mind quickly rebuttaled. I do listen to Oprah's podcast, and it's pretty fantastic. I've always loved Oprah, and I'd love to do anything that she does. My mind continued to spin, and I thought, wouldn't that be exciting? Maybe Oprah would listen to my podcast, just like I listen to hers. Then, she could be on my podcast, and in turn, she would invite me to be on hers. At this point, my heart was beating rapidly and my mind was going in a million different directions. One of which reminded me that I should probably come back to reality. Besides, Oprah is Oprah and I am Becky. And perhaps I'm not quite there yet. Terribly nervous and completely unsure of myself, I replied back to Andy that I was in. Over the past two seasons, as a person, I've grown. Admittedly, each time an episode comes out, my heart hurts and my stomach feels a little bit nauseous because like I said in the very beginning, most of these stories have not been heard outside of my closest inner circle. So, it kind of feels like when an episode is released, I kind of peel back and reveal another honest, unfiltered piece of myself, and I share it with the world. I realize that some people will listen to the podcast with both their heart and mind. Some people listen while they're multitasking. Some people will listen and judge. And some people will like an episode and others won't. But... I have been given the opportunity to have my voice once again heard, and although I may not be sitting around a fancy boardroom table surrounded by brilliant colleagues, I do feel like I'm in a better place now, where I have an opportunity to sit around my kitchen table surrounded by people I love. So today... I thought it'd be really fun to have a conversation with the person that gave this podcast life. He's the manager of AMI-audio, the leader of the pack. I am so pleased to welcome Mr. Andy Frank. Welcome to the show.
1: Thank you very much, Becky. It's truly an honor to be here.
0: My first question is, what intrigued you about working in the area of broadcasting?
1: Well, it goes back to when I was a kid in Montreal. I was born and raised in Montreal. And I lived in a household full of new Canadians speaking a wide variety of different languages, old European languages, usually very loudly, and usually none of it English. So at night, when I was heading to bed, I would turn my clock radio to the AM dial. Yeah, that's right, clock radio, AM dial. That's how far back I go. Uh, When I listened to men who sounded calm reasoned, funny, informed. And these guys became my heroes. And I thought then, I want to be one of those guys when I grow up. But it took me many, many, many years and a lot of winding roads to get there. But I'm finally here. Although I don't always live up to the same standard that I set for myself in terms of being calm, reasoned, or funny or informed.
0: Andy, what are you most proud of that you've had the opportunity to be part of so far within your career?
1: So as I said, it took me a long time to get going in broadcasting. And uh, so once I did, I was already kind of as a middle-aged. So as it turned out, as soon as I got to know what I was doing, I was teaching younger people various aspects of what I had just learned and also obviously what I had gleaned all my life just listening to various different broadcasters. So for example, at university of Toronto, I had over 300 students contributing to a a daily live morning show, not dissimilar from shows like now with Dave Brown or Kelly and company, and I produced and hosted that show. And many of these 300 students ended up with professional careers at CBC or at CTV or at the globe and mail and so on, even though the university of Toronto didn't have a radio and TV stream. They did train journalists, and that's where they got their feet wet sometimes. But really what I'm most proud about what I've accomplished in my uh, career is the six years I spent at AMI, or the last six years I spent at AMI, where we've introduced so many new broadcasters to the airwaves, people who had either no experience or very little experience as broadcasters. For a lot of people who don't know, AMI-audio used to be just a reading service that sometimes did some documentaries, but about six years ago, and the reason I was hired was to convert that into a more conversational form, so live shows and so on, and ultimately with these podcasts. And today we have 70 contributors overall to the channel, of which, of course, Becky, you are one, and 70% of them come from the community that we serve. So there's people like Juita Gupta, who started way back at the beginning when I started there, who now have careers at places like CBC. And there's going to be others who uh, are going to end up doing great things as well. So I'm incredibly proud of that because I'm giving people a chance of doing something that I myself would have wanted to have had at some point in my life. And that just makes me smile.
0: Next, I'm wondering, what brings you to work every day?
1: Well, AMI is... A broadcast managers dream environment because we're publicly funded through a special program that people can look up it's called the 9h program and to the extent that we don't need to answer to ratings and to advertisers we act as though we do we act as though we have judges out there for everything that we do and say and every you know so on but really, we're measured by how well we serve our audience and how well we meet our mandate. And that allows for tremendous creativity. And when you think about how rare that is in any environment, let alone the broadcast environment, which is hyper competitive and getting more and more so every day, that is just an absolute joy. And the best part is, I work with people who appreciate how blessed we are to be given this blank palette my bosses people like john melville and the president and ceo david Arrington, they just let us paint they don't sit there and micromanage and ask all kinds of questions about every little nuance they just let us go because the feedback's been good and so they're just letting us fly through it so that for me is it's a dream job and it's that's what brings me to work every day
0: So you have rolled the dice on me on several occasions and have given me so many different opportunities to work with AMI. And clearly, I am not formally trained at all in this area. So I'm just curious, what did you see in me?
1: Well, you were recruited not by me. You were recruited by Mary Ann Dionne-Jones through your friends and colleagues at the CNIB in Regina, I did not know who Becky Czar was. Mary Ann just announced to me, Becky Czar is our new community reporter from Regina. I said, that's great. We're looking forward to meeting Becky Czar one day. And then you started appearing on our airwaves. And I thought, wow, that's Becky Czar's got some jam. That was, you know, I was sufficiently impressed. I could tell right away. Yeah, I could tell usually within the first minute as to whether or not someone belongs on the air or not. <laughs> Doesn't mean they don't always, you know, remain on the air, but some people belong more than others. And you clearly belong. And then we took this uh, wonderful road trip in 2018. So I guess you'd been part of our team for probably, I don't know, six months or something by that time. And we went across the country with the morning show at the time to uh, a bunch of different cities. And our stop in Regina was at that CNIB. And there we uh, interviewed a bunch of people from, you know, related to that organization and so on. And then you appeared because you were going to be one of our special guests. And I met you there and I thought, that's Becky Czar. I took a look at what you were wearing and I thought, wow, that's a nice little black dress she's wearing, but look at those pink shoes. And I thought to myself, and I swear to God, this is true. I thought to myself, when I looked at your shoes, I said, this is a woman who's got a story to tell. (laughs) <laughs> and one day, I'm going to want to hear it. And ever since that time, of course, we introduced the podcast things. And I invited you to contribute some ideas as to what you'd want to do with your podcast. And uh, frankly, you've exceeded expectations, Becky, ever since that time. But it was those pink shoes that really sealed the deal. Mm-hmm.
0: That brings us to the end of this episode of The Blind Reality. I'd like to thank my boss and the guru of broadcasting, Mr. Andy Frank, for taking time out of his busy day to come and have a conversation with me. And, as always, I'd like to thank my family for their continued love and support. This episode was written and produced by me, Becky Zarr. Technical production was provided by AMI-audio's Nisreen Abdal-Majid, and the manager of AMI-audio is Andy Frank. Remember, until next time, if you need a hand, get it. If you can give a hand, give it. Thanks for listening.